boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let's get going with our uh, <laughs> January 4th edition of... No, I'm just kidding you. It might look like it, though. We brace for that and uh, take a break for information here in the midday. It is uh, midday on the Rural Radio Network. We have Susan Littlefield out there, and uh, you're going to be among the last to probably see this, Susan. We ride, and we have prom tomorrow night, so yeah. it's going to be interesting for a lot of kids. But, you know, we'll, we'll take the moisture. Unfortunately, it's going to have some effects on livestock, and we'll have to just continue to you know, work through everything. And it's just as you said, uh, when we talk to Al, he'll be digging into the weather with a big shovel today. (laughs) Exactly. So he said he's ready to scoop it up for us. What else? Way looks at both sides of the rim story. You and Al have got a story talking about how it's going to have its effects on agriculture. Then he brings in an expert from the American Coalition of Ethanol to talk about that as well. Then at 117, um, Congressman Dr. Roger Marshall joins me. Uh, He and I talked early this morning about the farm bill and snap and all the effects and the work that's been going on behind the scenes almost for the past five years so some interesting is a little field yep thank and you here comes jason jorgensen with a look at sports well between a chance of severe weather and potential tornadoes this afternoon <laughs> and then snow tonight they're going to try to play two baseball games in lincoln this afternoon ku football program they're going to be one of the many schools uh, adding on for an indoor practice facility along with some other enhancements and as they continue to refurbish Memorial Stadium, uh, they're uh, spending a lot of money on this money that they raised privately. Many brawls. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Guys are tired of winter, too. I think that's true. All right, Bob Brogan, how about business? Sharp drop in banks weighs on U.S. stocks, and uh, several major banks reported profits. However, uh, tucked into their uh, financial reports was some causes for concern for them, so uh, stocks are uh, dropping right now. All All these stories much more coming your way today on Midday. Here comes your ag weather with Paul Perkins brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and that compares <laughs> with the low 30s in the Nebraska Panhandle and they've got two inches of snow on the ground towards Sydney. Visibility down to 100 to 150 feet. Heavy wet snow, some strong winds causing the tree limbs to break towards Sydney and a lot of the rain and snow most of it now snow in the Nebraska Panhandle into a low freezing and these winds uh, getting very very strong many of us looking at the potential of wind gust up to 60 miles per hour first off that snow and those temperatures yeah once again ranging 30s in the Panhandle most of us with temperatures in the 40s but we do have 60s and even some amid upper 70s the farther southeast you go into southeast Nebraska and eastern Kansas and that potential for some severe weather just off to our east blizzard morning for the winter weather in our area later today through tomorrow Evening in the central, west central, and northeast part of Nebraska, and all to York and Russell, Kansas. If you're anywhere west of that or right in that area, you are in a blizzard warning. That blizzard warning starting up in west central Nebraska this afternoon, then moving into central areas for tonight, also northwest Kansas, under that blizzard warning and drifting snow. Kansas County is just to the east of that blizzard morning in a winter weather advisory early tomorrow morning 
to tomorrow evening for about one to three inches of snow in Nebraska counties east of that blizzard morning. Still just in a winter storm watch where we could see two to four inches of snow late tonight through tomorrow evening. Now on the latest webinar with the Nationals towards the Tri-Cities and points towards the southeast, so don't be surprised if these snowfall amounts get revised downwards from about four to nine inches to maybe about two to five inches in some of those areas. Now, high wind warning is also in effect for northwest Kansas and far southwest Nebraska for wind gusts may be as high as 80 today through tomorrow at about 1030. Rain will change to snow west to east this afternoon and tonight on the backside of the strong area of low pressure that's slowly tracking east along the Nebraska-Kansas border. Right now it's towards southeast Nebraska. That change to snow in central areas during the east. Friday, both systems should provide mostly rain. A little snow could mix in across the north. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the northern northern two-thirds of the U.S. are forecast to be colder than normal Wednesday through April 26th. Beyond that, towards early May, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures should be closer to seasonal. They're aligned from Norfolk to North Platte, but most of Nebraska and western Kansas in the upper 40s to low 50s for soil temperatures. The eastern half and southern two-thirds of Kansas the soil temperatures in the upper 50s to low 60s. Weather factors grime impacts include blizzard conditions across portions of the northern plains and upper Midwest, the potential of historic wildfire outbreaks across the southern plains. We have been getting reports of that already across the southern high plains and heavy to severe thunderstorms in the nation's southeast. Drought conditions along with strong winds will maintain the high stress seven days out and beyond. The storm Tracking across the northern plains, Midwest and Delta will continue to delay spring field work. Western and northern Midwest field work right now the most delayed in five years. Important wheat-growing areas of China have seen moderate to heavy rain at the end of this week. This should maintain the favorable conditions for eastern Colorado. It's just kind of seething out there, and all this rotation and these convergence of wind patterns and everything are making for already 50 mile an hour or whatever, but the Goodland Office of the National Weather Service put out a very interesting wind prediction. Or yes, a high wind warning once again for southwest Nebraska, far southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and once again we could see wind gusts up to 80 miles per hour today through tomorrow on the backside of this low as it moves through. Wow. All right. Keep up to date, and that's got some live information right now. We're becoming radio announcer and <laughs> Facebook performance around here. That's the way it works when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. From his post as both chairman of the Ag Committee and senior member of the Finance Committee, which has jurisdiction on trade, Roberts has long been outspoken on the benefits of increased access to foreign markets for America's farmers and ranchers, including dozens of conversations with the president, along with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Rankin. Talk to me about what happened firewise, looking into Oklahoma. Now, as we go farther to our south, unfortunately, we've had a lot of fires break out in Oklahoma yesterday. Over 300,000 acres burnt in a 24-hour period. And conditions today are expected to be as bad, if not worse. Relative humidity levels were in the 5 to 15% level yesterday, which and I expect that we will see considerably more acreage, uh, unfortunately, be burnt today. And unfortunately, it isn't until next week before any significant moisture is indicated for this region. So continued deterioration of conditions and the D4 conditions or extreme drought conditions are expanding dramatically into the southwest, into southern Utah, southern 
portions of Colorado, and that's one we will pay attention to as we get into the warm part of the season. But going forward in time, it looks like the areas of the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, and points to the east stand a significant chance of having uh, real problems getting will be their prime planting time, and the question becomes a continuation of storm systems. How wet will those conditions in northern Nebraska get? And right now, the models are uncertain in regards to that type of a forecast. But, you know, producers I've talked to, Al, say any type of moisture is a good thing to have going into spring planting, especially when you look to those producers, you know, in Oklahoma, Nebraska, who hopefully will get some of this precipitation over the next, you know, seven to ten days. These systems are crossing the Rockies, so we are getting snowfall in the Rockies. And last week we were 200% of normal for the weekly precip in the central Rockies. We will be above normal with this event. This is keeping us within the normal range, and that's our buffer for keeping the southern to rapidly expand toward the north as we get into the summer. So we need these snows. They're coming at the proper time for the central Rockies. Those comments coming in from Al Dutcher. Earlier this morning, the Office of U.S. Trade Representative and the Department of Agriculture announced U.S. pork is eligible for export to Argentina for the first time since 1990. Like it or not, Mother Nature is still in charge. And Al Dutcher joins us now. I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. Al, I saw the best post on Facebook this morning. It said, and no offense to you gentlemen out there, but it said, Old Man Winter can't leave because he can't find directions. <laughs> That's about the truth of it. As I say, this does not look like a good situation. Um, this has been a well-advertised event, unfortunately. We talked about it last week, although we weren't talking about the magnitude of this system that is exploding over the upper plains region. And unfortunately, the snow has already begun in earnest across the panhandle, and that will spread as the day progresses towards central Nebraska and really switch over as we get into the evening hours, particularly in the days of warm temperatures. Our soil temperatures, at least at the four-inch depth, that came up into the mid to upper 40s across the northern one-third of the state. And if you get to the southern one-third of the state, we were in the upper 40s to the mid-50s. So that will help offset some of the initial words of 18, 20 inches. And really, until this event gets going, we really aren't going to know what the, f- the full totals are going to be. But with these winds as high as they are, and a combination of starting out with rain, changing over to snow, you know, that's one of those ingredients that do not do the cattle complex very good because you're wetting them up and then you're putting that snow on top of them. And in the past, we've had some significant issues when these type of can end too late tomorrow evening and that will move into the Great Lakes region and the eastern Corn Belt. And then we will start to see a drying trend. So I guess the big question as we go into next week is how much we're probably will be dealing with residual snow cover into the middle of next week, which would temper temperatures, depending on location, probably in the area of 5 to 10 degrees. One little wave does come through in the middle of the next week. That wave right now does not have much moisture, and one of the old tricks in meteorology that I remember from school was when you have a major system like this or a major system like this, generally it stabilizes the atmosphere. So the next system they're kind of hinting at. Then yet another trough moves in next weekend, and this has been a, a sad state of affairs because I believe this will be in seven straight weekends of this type of a pattern. Good news for us is that coal there does not look to be a major issue. Home yesterday, over 300,000 acres burnt in a 24-hour period, and conditions today are expected to be as bad, if not worse. Relative humidity levels were in the 5 to 15% level yesterday with temperatures in the mid to upper 90s, and a couple isolated 100-plus readings were recorded. Climatologist Al Dutcher. 
You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the Husker baseball team will try to face off against Iowa this weekend as both teams continue Big Ten action. Now, impending weather has certainly caused big changes to the initial series schedule. As it stands now, they will try to play a doubleheader this afternoon starting at 2.05. There will be no game tomorrow, and then they hope to finish up that series on Sunday. Husker softball team is hosting Purdue for a three-game conference series starting this afternoon at 3. Husker football team worked out of Memorial Stadium for a little more than two hours yesterday in full pads. It was the first time they'd been able to work outside this spring. Offensive coordinator Troy Walters says it was pretty cool to be at the old field. Give him all the tradition and history. Multi-million dollar indoor practice facility for the football team will start soon. The university is planning a $26 million indoor practice area as part of a $300 million renovation project for Memorial Stadium project is funded entirely by private donations. Hugh Darvish makes his first home start with the Cubs when they host Atlanta this afternoon. Darvish is looking for his first victory since he signed $126 million and three NHL first-round playoff series resume tonight. The Penguins take a one-game-to-none lead into their game at home against Philadelphia. They shut out the Flyers 7-0 on Wednesday. Winnipeg will host Minnesota after winning Game 1, in which the Wild let a third-period lead get away, and L.A. plays at Las Vegas. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Tonight in Nebraska, it'll be snow and blowing snow with blizzard conditions in the west and central, spreading into the northeast. Also, showers and thunder. The Nebraska Board of Pardons will decide Tuesday whether to grant 60-year-old Carrie Dean Moore a hearing to consider his clemency request. Moore says he hasn't filed any appeals in more than 10 years, and it seems apparent that the state doesn't want to execute him. Moore was convicted of first-degree murder in the 1979 shooting deaths of two Omaha cab drivers. Nebraska hasn't executed an inmate in more than 20 years. Attorney General Doug Peterson requested an execution warrant last week to carry out Moore's execution. It's unclear when or if the Nebraska Supreme Court would issue it. The Dawson County Sheriff's Race will feature two Republicans in the Me Recognition Program. This can be a really thankless job, and they see a lot and deal with a lot of negativity during their day. And it's not all negative, but, you know, there, there is a lot of negativity. And I'd just like to, to see a boost for the hard work that they put in. And another thing I would like to do is uh, get the public more involved uh, with the sheriff's office. I would like them to know who they're... they're Lance and initiatives. Yeah, your safety and, and the safety of your family is my first priority. I will be a proactive in reducing crime in Dawson County and bringing together other agencies to work as a team. I think that's very uh, critical in any law enforcement. Educate and alert our citizens of scams used to steal our identity and life savings. Race for Dawson County offices. Kansas Governor Jeff Collier says a website created to find and shame people who owe child support is getting heavy use and has already found one person. He says one of the 10 people identified on the site has already been found. The governor says the man owes more than $56,000 in child support and that Kansas was able to get an order garnishing his wages. Closed-door White House meetings. 
One of the biggest issues in the debate is the REN, or Renewable Identification Number, which in simple terms is a piece of paper proving that an oil refiner blended ethanol with gasoline to meet the requirements set forth by the Renewable Fuel Standard. A market has been created for RENs between refiners that have blended more than they needed to and refiners that haven't blended enough. Senator Ted Cruz has proposed that a cap be placed on RENs to help refiners who don't have the equipment or haven't blended enough fuel. This in place. Ron Lamberty of the American Coalition for Ethanol believes that it would be detrimental to the ethanol industry. What would happen is there would be no incentive for those who can blend more to blend more. Right now you've got some refiners, some larger refiners who sell to more retail outlets. Uh, let's say there's a refiner with the renewable fuel standard and then they can take the additional credits they have and use those to make some more money. Now they buy their extra gas because remember they don't refine enough to sell to all the people that they've got to sell to. They buy their extra gas, anybody to blend any more than they are supposed to. So there would be no extra RINs in the market for the people who can't blend or who have chosen not to blend. There wouldn't be any way for them to comply. And it would just basically lead to a situation because they knew there was an opportunity for them to recover the money they spent on blending by selling these to people, selling credits to those oil companies who didn't want to invest in any equipment to blend fuel. And that would that would be something that essentially what we're doing is telling these private individuals who built stations and could blend that we're not going to give you the opportunity to collect the money for those pumps anymore. You just have to turn these RINs over to these other guys because we said they're worth this and that's all they're going to be worth. It's essentially just the, the opposite of, of a free market. It's it's saying this is the limit. I mean, I, I don't think the oil companies would want us to say, here's the cap on a, on a barrel of oil. And I would say that for the most part, I think that's understood, and I think the talk of that has backed off a bit. But the RINs make a little extra money, and if you, if you limit it, then there's no incentive to blend any more than the minimum you have to blend. On the other side of the debate, UNL professor Dr. Richard Perrin believes that a REN cap wouldn't cause that much harm to the ethanol industry. This answer will surprise most people, and the answer is nothing would happen, not the cause of that cost. For example, think about it this way. Supposing we completely eliminated the RIN market, that is, we set the price instead of half of the current price, we put a cap on it at 10 cents, no, let's think of 5 cents, no, let's think of zero. If we put a price of zero, there would be no trade in RINs, and the result of lending would not change any, but it would not be visible anymore to the rest of us as a market price in terms of 40 cents, for example, which is about what the RINs are selling for right now. We wouldn't see that price anymore, but the volume would continue because that's mandated by Congress. And if there's no change in the quantity of ethanol that's purchased and consumed, it's not going to have any effect really on the Nebraska ethanol plants and has to be... Uh, purchased for that purpose, so it really wouldn't have any effect at all. While there's still debate on what could happen if RINs were capped, both Dr. Perrin and Ron Lamberty agree that REN issue could be solved with E15, as Ron explains. For practical, it would be next to nothing, and the good way to do that would be to say, let's you know, loosen the reins on selling E15 around the country, and then once the volume of that picks up, the RINs probably become almost irrelevant. Because beyond $15 billion a year, you know, those volumes... Team being sold year-round may not be that far away. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Next, we move to an assessment of these livestock futures trade with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? 
Yeah, we finish finish the day uh, mixed, but uh, mostly higher. Uh, we're going to finish higher for the week in uh, in uh, all three: the uh, cattle feeders and the hogs. But uh, cattle are trading uh, uh, a little bit stronger again today. Uh, uh, I think we've even had a uh, 120 show up, but that would have been uh, very isolated. But uh, continued their. Uh, rally from yesterday and uh, finishing just uh, moderately higher. The only one that didn't finish higher out of the uh, cattle was the June cut. Finished a little bit higher with the uh, December a little lower. Cutouts on both were just a little bit higher. Nothing uh, spectacular out of that. But the fact that we uh, did manage to uh, hold on to uh, some gains for the week uh, is a very big plus. Uh, so cattle slaughter through Saturday this week is predicted at 605,000, 10,000 less than last week, but 20,200 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter projected through Saturday 2,385,000, 50,000 more than last week and 108,000 more, 28,000 more. Congressman Dr. Roger Marshall from the state of Kansas spoke to me early this morning about this markup and what it means for agriculture. Right, Susan. You know, this is the, uh, the culmination of five years of work for all practical purposes. Uh, and what I'm so proud of is, is this farm bill would give producers five years of certain. That we, I'm very proud of is this farm bill is budget neutral. When we got here uh, a year and a half ago, they were talking about a 20-30% cut in the farm bill, a 20-25% cut in crop insurance. And we were able to kind of survive all those attacks and stress to the leadership, stress to the, the president how important the farm uh, As something that you wanted to see done, some work and some progress made when it came to this next farm bill. And it's nice to be able to say, you know, we talked about it. Now we've got a plan in place. You know, absolutely. You know, we talk about this election will be about promises kept. And one of my promises was that we would get on the Ag Committee, that we would crank out a strong farm. Up here, we've had 120 hearings as well on the Farm Bill. And we did six hearings across the country, which I was able to participate in three of them. So this bill has done, been done under the light of day. It's been bipartisan. Uh, it's been submitted now to, to the and have an opportunity uh, for, for more, more amendments. So I, I think that it's, it's a great process. This is the way it's supposed to be done. You know, Congressman, one area that's brought a lot of contention, a lot of nervousness has been SNAP. Where we're going to be sitting when it comes to nutrition. And, and you as a physician, uh, nutrition is a very crucial part uh, of, of growth and, and the future of our country. You're absolutely, Susan. I'm so proud of that. I've always thought that uh, food is health and how people on both ends of the age spectrum are the most vulnerable. I'm referring to the elderly as well as infants and children, and, and even the, the, the children before they're born, how important nutrition is for that mom and for that breastfeeding mom. And I'm so proud of how we continue to emphasize in this farm. I volunteered for years at a food bank and helped support that. And that food bank knows exactly who the most needy people are in town as you develop these relationships. So we've had increased funding for the food bank. We've also made more food nutrition available in those. And I think that's so important to our kids to have fresh milk, fresh fruits and vegetables, just like I grew up on and just I guess I've taken for granted all these years. Kansas Congressman Dr. Roger Marshall. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And some Fridays it's a risk-off kind of session. Was it today? Yeah, I think the, the market's really confused, especially in the case of wheat, like you mentioned. 
what to focus on. Is it, is it the storm that's directly ahead of us that's going to bring 20-degree temperatures that follow 90-degree temperatures that are going to pre- prelude to 85-degree temperatures and then more rain? I think the trade is trying to figure out what, what it wants to move off of here. We had a decent livestock rally we're seeing is taking money out of the grain markets and putting it into livestock. Just kind of seeing that yin and yang. Uh, has been kind of the the trade we've seen. So I wouldn't make much of the corn move south this this week. I mean, it was kind of due for a correction. I think as we get into next week, it'll be about delivery, and that probably keeps the market uh, somewhat sideways here. Oh, I, patience. You know, don't overtrade it. I, I think a lot of times when you get in a slow market like this, you can tend to make mistakes because you think, you know, the story that you're seeing is what's going to be the trend. Right now, I, we're, we're kind of stuck between two crop years. The story down in Argentina has really run its course, and we've got the prices higher off of that. Uh, but there's not a whole lot on the U on the planting delay story. Last year, specifically, I guys out east that planted late had really, really good yields in, with, with May crops being planted. So I don't think that's going to put a lot of premium in the market. I think as we get into next week, it'll be about May delivery. And if you recall, March delivery, we were weak in Feb- in, into late February. And then once we got into the delivery period and a lot of the speculation was taken out of that front month, the market really rallied as commercials came in and bought. And I, I look for the same type of action. That sets yourself up for a good spot, and I would be buying call options uh, for late summer delivery so that you can then sell into 440. 440 is the level. That was the high from 2015, the high from 2016. We never got there last year, but I think that would be, uh, you know, a little bit of an anomaly given the, the global stocks being 20% higher than they are this year. So uh, that's my target, and that's what I'm preparing for. Thanks, John.